Hi, I'm Scott Cooper, and this is the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. In this episode, Justin Chesham, head coach of Christopher Newport University men's soccer, and I welcome Pat McStay of the ECNL's Heritage Project and the Richmond Strikers. Along with his duties at the Strikers, Pat has taken on the role of developing the Heritage Project, which connects youth soccer players in the U.S. with the countries of their heritage to potentially play for those countries' national teams. Pat describes it as, with the overwhelming success of the 2023 Women's World Cup featuring dozens of ECNL alumni, the ECNL has decided to launch the Heritage Project. The project's underlying motive is to provide additional pathways and opportunities for players currently playing in the ECNL and alum who may have ties to other countries based on parents and or grandparents' place of birth or other factors. The project's overall goal is to help connect high-level players with federations they may not have access to otherwise. It will be an extensive, time-consuming journey, but both the ECNL and partnering federations feel that this could be a very important part of their scouting future. If you're enjoying the podcast and find it valuable, please consider visiting buymeacoffee.com matchplay. These small donations collectively help offset costs and other expenses associated with production of the podcast, so I can continue to offer this service for free. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on social media as well. The links can be found at matchplayrecruit.com. Yeah. Um, Pat, I just pulled up your LinkedIn, man. That uh, I forgot about that head of lettuce you had. It's been a long time. I know. I know. I, I grew my hair out for about two years and cut it off about a year ago. So I oh, had okay. I had lots of hair and then figured I was 40 and couldn't pull it off anymore. So <laughs> I had to, had to cut it off. Now it's high and tight. There you go. Yeah. So you're shaving it down by choice? Not by uh, mm, it's, natural selection. I would say it's 33% genetics and uh, the other 66% by choice. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, cheese doesn't and look just... as nice as it used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Um, well, like I was telling you before we hit record, I just wanted to get, you know, you, you're working on something pretty interesting called the Heritage Project. Um, and I don't need to explain it cause you can, um, but to, like you were saying, it's in partnership with the ECNL. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, just run with it, just kind of give us a lowdown and, and let us know. Sure. So about, I would guess now 12, 12 to 15 months ago, I started working with the, uh, Samoan Federation as the head U S scout. Uh, and then I started working with the Marshall Islands as they're the last country in the UN that does not have a national team. And so they're trying to find a way to get recognized by FIFA. And I'm the head U.S. scout for them as well. And, and through my endeavors with Samoa, um, I started out the first six months, had a lot of good leads, uh, found quite a few players that have now appeared with either the under 20s or, or full national team. And that was great. Uh, but my leads kind of dried up and I became very frustrated with the fact that uh, there wasn't one place I could go to 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 find players. And 
so out of out of that um, brainstorming with myself, I kind of came up with a wouldn't it be great kind of scenario if the largest youth league in the world had someone who was kind of the liaison and the premise is you're a club in any part of the country that's part of the ECNL. You have this fantastic player. Maybe she's not going down the path of being recognized by the U.S. uh, youth national teams, but she may have heritage with uh, Fiji, New Zealand, Mexico, whoever it might be. Um, And then the, the project for that club is how do I find the one contact that is the most important in X country, name it, uh, Mali, England, so that this player who I feel could be a part of their federation youth national team system gets recognized and gets the opportunity for that alternative pathway. And so I, I tried to put that idea on paper, um, had a few conversations with some people at the ECNL, uh, I've yet to find a person who thinks it's a bad idea. Um, so they kind of jumped on and said, this sounds like a great idea. Let's kind of start slow and reach out to some membership clubs and see what the, what they have to say about it and see if you can start getting in contact with federations and see what they have to say about it. And so I've, I've been doing it for about a month now. Uh, I think I've been able to get in contact and have conversations with about two dozen federations. I just talked to Honduras this morning. They're extremely excited because I've been finding out that uh, through these conversations that all of the smaller federations who know they have players here also have the same problem. Puerto Rico knows that they have, you know, uh, a a large uh, group of Puerto Ricans who no longer live on the island that live in the United States. They do play soccer somewhere, um, but they just don't know how to find them. So um, that's kind of my job is to go out and use the ECNL as a platform to let people know that this project exists, that uh, there is a liaison between the clubs and uh, the federations throughout the world and to try and connect them. And some are, are easier than others. Um, and some that I thought would be easy to get in contact with are turning out to be impossible. So this is a long-term project that I think is is going well so far. So we need support from the clubs to say, yes, we do have these players that I think would fit and they've got to do a little bit of work on their end to ask player X on the U15s who they think is pretty high level that they may have assumed it doesn't have any background anywhere else, like where are your parents from, where are your grandparents from. Um, and, and I think some federations, I think will be pleasantly surprised with the players that might come out of this project because there's a lot of Uh, players from Ireland, Northern Ireland, England, who could have an alternative pathway here in the next few years. Yeah, I mean, look at the success uh, Cameron Simmons experienced this past Women's World Cup. I mean, you know, ECNL star and playing in uh, 
I believe she just transferred, right? She was at Tennessee and she's yep. going to uh, Florida State now. Florida and State. Uh, I mean, did great and you know, Jamaican star. I know she's got a little brother that's a heck of a player too. Uh, so I mean, that's it, it. Makes sense. A ton of exposure there. Tons of notoriety there. That's just that's without this program in place. So you know, I'm sure that there are so many kids that saw that happen and they're like, wait a minute, I have you know a dual citizenship, right? You know, I'm also my dad right. was raised here. Why why why, why can't I? Maybe, you know, go, go play in that country. Sure. You know, I, I think it's an awesome, awesome idea. Um, so, I mean, speaking of the dual sisters, I mean, how many kids, you know, like, I'm sure this thing's just now breaking through, but I mean, how many kids now are kind of reaching out like, Hey, I, this is what I'm thinking. And, you know, like what, what countries are involved? You mentioned England and Ireland, but I mean, the girl Cameron was in Jamaica. I mean, it's gotta be right. all over the world. Yeah. So what I've done is, uh, for the membership clubs, I've started small with, I would say, two or three dozen clubs, letting them know that this project exists. The ECNL Symposium, by the time this comes out, will probably have uh, come and gone, which it's, it's next week. Uh, but they'll, they'll do a little bit of an announcement there that, that, hey, we're starting this project. It's a pretty ambitious project. Uh, it's not going to be an overnight success uh, because there is quite a bit of background work that directors would need to do in order to not only find these players, but make sure that their ability level is, is matching with the federation that they may right. be a part of. So um, I think it, it narrows the player pool quite a bit, but it's still a, an extremely large player pool. Um, in, in terms of the, the players that could be eligible for other countries and, and the federations that, that I think could benefit from taking these players into a uh, national pool scenario where they're at least getting uh, looked at. So the federations that I've been talking to, Philippines, um, Honduras, England. I mean, I could probably pull up my list, but there's two dozen or so. But I've reached out to every single one of them. So part of my job is to go on every single Federation website, find the initial, you know, information at whatever Federation it is, reach out. Hopefully someone uh, reads the email that has a lot of information in it, sees that this is a valuable project and gets back to me as kind of the initial first step. So in doing so, I've been able to have contacts with Australia, um, New Zealand, Samoa, uh, Tonga, and there's some some uh, some other ones that I'm I'm missing probably off the top of my head. But um, I'm learning a lot. There are a lot of federations who already do U.S.-based camps. Like the Philippines have been doing it for over a decade. Like this is not a new uh, project. It's kind of happening all over the country in little kind of microcosms of this project. So I talked to a club down in Florida, that director immediately was like, I've been doing this for 30 years for my players, but he only has so many contacts and so many players that are, that are able to make that leap. And so another club in Maryland doing the same thing, but then you have other directors that I've talked to, who have been struggling to find these contacts. Like, hey, I've got a player. I'd really like her to be seen by the Mexican Federation. Can you help me out? So 
Um, I, th I think that the the more the information spreads to parents from directors to parents from the ECNL that this project exists and there's a way to have your player, if they're good enough, get in contact with the Federation that you may have heritage or background, parents, grandparents were from there, then I, th I think the more success we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm thinking about this and the word of mouth is going to be massive. I mean, look at look at the soccer community. They talk about the six degrees of separation. Really, right. the soccer community, we're like two or three. I mean, think yeah. about how many phone calls is it going to take for you to get one of the biggest coaches in the EPL? I mean, you're, you're maybe two phone calls away. It sounds like, oh, no, what are you talking about? Like, I'm sure you know somebody that knows somebody that knows the biggest coach in Europe. You know, like I'm, it's it's not that far of a stretch in the soccer world. And so I think that once this thing picks up and starts to spread at all, it spreads like wildfire. I mean, who doesn't want to find their kids some great opportunity? I mean, that's, that's the whole point right. of we coach and use soccer. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'm, th I'm thinking about this, trying to compare it to college recruiting. And I would imagine you already mentioned camps, but you're going to be able to put on camps for different countries, bring countries representatives here to have a big international camp. And, uh, you know, I can see stuff. I can see you guys going abroad and, doing showcases in Europe or doing showcases in South America or whatever. And I, I, I could see it kind of being similar to the college recruiting landscape where you're sending film, you're sending highlight tapes. You've got this international recruiting database that you could send kids, you know, their, their profiles to all these different countries. Like, Hey, this is a national from your place. Check out these details. I mean, there's, there, I feel like there's a lot of directions you can go here. Yeah. And again, I'm, I'm kind of the, liaison between the league and and the federation so my job isn't necessarily to uh, deem these players good enough um, to represent any federation because they're all going to have different requirements uh, sure. and different opinions about players but what we'd like to do is if the if the club thinks that a player is is good enough that hopefully it's just one phone call it's yeah. to me, and then I have the contacts to then uh, move that kid in the right direction. And then if they get uh, selected to go to a camp abroad or here, whatever it may be, then that's a win for the project. Uh, and if they don't, it's also, to me, a win for the project because at least that player had the opportunity to be seen, and then that, that federation can make a decision based on the video, the information, the club, the kid. Yeah. Um, whether or not they're good enough. So I, th I think there's a fine line between being inundated with every kid who plays soccer in the whole country uh, that may be from a different country, parents or grandparents, or even themselves, um, and getting the ones that would be the right fit. Because you can only recommend so many players to a federation that aren't a good fit until they stop asking you. So your credibility is on the line a little bit. So we're trying to start small, start with the ECNL platform and those players uh, and, and kind of work our way backwards from there. Hey, Pat. Um, <clears throat> so back up a little bit and just, you know, talk a little bit about what it takes to, you know, kind of what's, what creates eligibility for someone to sure. go yeah. as a U.S. citizen to go play for yep. another country. Um, yeah. So in general, um, if you're born here in the United States, but your parents were born in a different country, then you in turn would be eligible to represent that country 
at the national team level, youth or full national team. Um, and then you go one more generation back. So if your parents were born here, you were born here, but your grandparents were born in a different country, that would also make you eligible. The third generation ineligible. So if your parents' parents were born in Greece, but then your parents were born here in New York City, and then you live in New York, you're still eligible to represent Greece. And so um, that's kind of as far back as FIFA will allow you to go. And then the other, the other way is um, for the Marshall Islands, for example, you may not have been born there, but you can gain citizenship, I would assume, just like the United States, by living there for a certain amount of time. So um, I think the Marshall Islands is five years. So if you were born in the United States, but you then move there, live there for five years, you can uh, gain eligibility that way. Gotcha. <clears throat> but good um, question. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, so I guess just as a guideline, either first or if your parents or grandparents are from somewhere other than the United States, then you have a shot at, you're at least eligible. To, eligible correct right correct. so yep. then yep. how how do they then determine so like what's the most common as it's as it is today you know way to you know be evaluated and and get in contact and and all of that sure. like how yeah. is that being done and then how are you shifting that i mean i kind of get an idea what you're doing but you know maybe just yeah so yeah. with uh so with the simone federation a lot of times they don't have the resources to come over here, watch them play, uh, have a U.S. training camp uh, for three weeks and then make decisions. So the the what was it? The under 20 World Cup qualifiers for the women were, I think, last May or June. And we had, uh, I believe, seven seven players go into the under 20s uh, for Samoa that were from the United States. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of them had already played for Samoan youth national teams in the past, so they came back and were eligible. The others, uh, either I had found or the head scout had found in the United States. Um, and it was literally based off of video only. We had to use the resources that we have compare it to who's currently on the island and the level there and so um in doing so and the lack of resources uh for some of the smaller island federations either in Concacaf, I, I would imagine it would be the same thing um is that the head coach gets all a, a list of the eligible players any relevant video if they can they make decisions and uh, see if they can add them into camp. And so sometimes it's a matter of the timing. So if it's uh, if the timing of of the U20s was at the same time as let's say the college season, that may yeah. that may mean that a few males or females, whoever was being invited, were going to choose their college season over two weeks with the Samoa national team, for example. Um, but it worked out that these seven could all play and they ended up third in qualifying, which means that they didn't qualify for the world cup, but it was the first time, uh, ever that the U twenties had gotten that far. So 
with the addition of the uh, what I would call heritage players, which were from New Zealand, Australia, and the U.S., uh, Samoa was able to close the gap big time um, in the Oceanic Federation uh, with the U20. So they were pretty excited about that. Cool. Yeah, and historically, those kids would have never had a chance because they would have been no, just... because they weren't even playing at the ECNL or GA level. They right. were just playing youth soccer. Some of them were playing at a at a higher level in the ECNL, uh, and those are extremely valuable pickups for countries like Samoa. Right. Um, those players are are almost one in you know. 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, whatever it is that you find those players and they're eligible and they're also available. And so um, adding those things in, it, it, it becomes really tough to, to find the right combination of players to make a difference. But the more you seek them out, the more that you find out that there are players eligible, you just need to do the background work to find them. And so right. Samoa did a really good job of trying to create this project within a project to go outside their own country, to go outside Australia and New Zealand, which would have been convenient because they're the closest, uh, and try to break into Europe and the United States to find even more eligible players. And they were able to do it with pretty decent success so far. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, how many federations are there in FIFA? I believe there's 200 and I'm going to get it wrong. 206 maybe mm-hmm. somewhere so, a little over 200 so ballparking 200 or so yeah. um yep and then like i wonder what percentage of those typically are you know making it to the world cup tournament the final you know the final two or three weeks or whatever it is yeah i mean they're expanding it so what was it this this past world cup 48 yeah i think so yeah. Again, I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm wrong, but it's something like that. And then I believe they're expanding it again for the World Cup in the United States. Yep. Um, or or was it 32 and they're expanding it to 48? Something like that. Yeah. So, so real yeah, small. out of the 200, yeah. you're trying to qualify. You know, some people don't even make it past the first round of qualifications. Um, so to get to to get to the third place game or even to get to the final to almost qualify is a big step in the right direction, closing the gap um, in, in certain uh, federations, especially the Oceanic Federation where New Zealand dominates uh, the majority of the time, men and women. Um, So let's say, you know, there's a kid here who, you know, has grandparents from, I don't know, pick, we'll just say Samoa since you're familiar with that. Sure. Most, you know, the most familiar, but you know, what's the process they live in um, Arizona and what's the process to get in touch with you and how do they kind of work things up the chain of command there? Yeah. So again, for Samoa, it's pretty easy because it's a, it's an extremely small federation. Uh, I'm the only one in the U S at the moment, I believe. So in wanting to do a really good job, I spent my own money and created a website uh, so that people could easily find me, but also it lends itself to having me be a bit more credible because sometimes when I'm, I'm reaching out to college coaches, I'm reaching out to players, I don't necessarily know that they have 
uh, Samoan background. I just know that based on uh, certain surnames, last names, um, uh, things that I've been able to look up and, and figure out over time that they might have eligibility. So I have to reach out to them, explain who I am, uh, but being able to point them to a website uh, always makes it a bit more credible on my end. And I've had some pretty good success, but really it would be, and I've had actually a 2009 from Charlotte. She played in the ECNL and I was able to watch her play last spring against Richmond United um, and, and see her in person. That's been the only player on the East coast that I've been able to identify, but it was as easy as they found my website. They sent me an email. Uh, I conversed back and forth with the father she was a 2010, I believe. Um, she's not currently eligible for anything because she's too young, but being able to keep tabs on a U14 that's soon going to be eligible for the U17s is an exciting prospect for any federation that's that small. Um, so being able to do that and uh, just keep them up to date as to, as to the process, I then send that on to our head scout and... I'm done. So if I'm able to gather video, gather information, uh, do kind of the, the legwork to make sure that parents or grandparents are actually from Samoa, it's a little bit tricky because 60 miles away is American Samoa, and they're a whole different country. So if you're uh, American Samoan, you're not eligible for Western Samoa. Um, so just doing that a uh, little bit of background research, making sure that they can find parent or grandparents' passport uh, and birth certificate so that they can prove to the Federation that they're eligible. And then the head scout has a process uh, to get those players a Samoan passport. And then that's what really is their, what we would consider their player card, so to speak. Gotcha. Um, and then you're also working with some of the bigger federations. So, you know, yep. how, does, how do their processes work? Um, you're obviously looking for, I mean, probably a higher level player. Um, higher level player for sure. I was able to talk to England a few weeks ago and England's FA is pretty interested, said to keep in touch. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't exactly know what their process is at the moment, uh, but they're definitely looking for, and Alex Morgan, they're not just looking for anyone with eligibility because their parents or grandparents are from England. Uh, right. It's a bit different uh, than, let's say, like a Samoa or a Fiji, where they're casting a bit of a wider net. It could be a lower level player because they're, you know, they're ranked 150th in the world and not 10th. So mm-hmm. they have a bit of a different player profile than the England's of, and the Americas. So right. Chances yeah. are those kids will be on America's radar since they're in our country right. and American citizenship more than likely. So, uh, yeah, for sure. I'm not going to be just handing England players if we, if we can right. avoid that, I'm sure. Um, yep. are you finding uh more immediate success on the women's side than on the, on the men's side? I mean, what's, what's that kind of look like? Yes. So the players that have been able to make an impact and, and to be put in, faster have been females for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's harder overall for, um, a male player to come into. It's not 
obviously it's it's happening um but the female side for our project specifically i think almost a hundred percent of the players so far that have come across my desk have been females and then trying to get them linked into whatever national team italy italy mexico philippines um and and trying to make that connection because i mean the truth of the matter is is that other countries are behind us in developing female players, right? Female players. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, so what if, uh, what if my daughter doesn't play in the ECNL? Um, is there obviously, I mean, I, I know the answer to this, but I just kind of want you to answer it and, and, um, give direction to folks who aren't involved with ECNL. Yeah. Uh, again, this is, uh, a project that the ECNL is backing. So we are looking at that platform as our priority, but the ECNL also has the ECNL regional league platform. And then a lot of these clubs have teams underneath that. So um, from my experience and the exciting part about this project is that the multiplier is, you know, Loudon, for example, has the ECNL but they also have 12,000 kids in their club. So uh, the information getting out to the director and the players, we might be starting with the ECNL platform because for a lot of clubs, that's the top platform for boys or girls or boys and girls. But who knows? There could be a, a player that their grandparents are from Guatemala. They play on the ECNL regional league team or, or they're, Parents or grandparents are from Belize and they play on the third team and they would be a great fit to go into the U16s or, or whatever it might be. So my uh, the excitement to me is that it's not just 10,000 players in the ECNL. I'm making up that number, by the way, but it's it's not just the 100 plus clubs ECNL teams. It's the multiplier of the ECNL Regional League the NPL teams underneath that or the league below that. And then the recreational base as well, because there are going to be some players that maybe choose not to play in the ECNL or ECNL regional league or can't afford to play in the, in travel soccer, but are, but could fit into a smaller country's national team just fine. And so being able to at least educate parents that this idea, this program exists uh, I have no problem having more players than less to kind of decipher and, and send to uh, federations. And so that's kind of my, my problem to solve is that I need to be ready for a player whose grandparents are from Gambia to get in contact with them within a week. And so I'm trying to work on both sides uh, to get support. So. Like I said, no director has said this is a, a, a bad project. No federation has said this is not going to be worthwhile. Uh, but it's just, I, th- I think it's just going to be a matter of time um, before we, we as the Heritage Project, the ECNL, kind of see the benefits long term. So we're really excited about the upcoming Men's and Women's World Cup, uh, the next cycle, to see what this project can do over the next three years and, and see if we can place some players. And even if it's not uh, players who are featured in the actual world cup, there's going to be plenty of players 
from the ECNL who participated in World Cup qualifying. Their country just didn't make it to the World Cup finals. Um, Did you say well, you were going to Anaheim? Are you out there now? No, no, I'm at home, but the the ECNL Symposium is in Vegas, I believe, oh, okay. next week. So it's a it's a two or three day symposium yeah. um, where ECNL directors gather. They've got presenters. It's I think I went last year or the year before and found it very worthwhile. So it'll be a good way to connect with some ECNL directors talk to him about the project. I already had a few emails go back and forth today about, Hey, can we meet at, at the symposium and talk about this? So that's great. Yeah. Cool. Um, how can we help? It's a great question. Uh, I think I'll, as, as we get into month two, three and four, uh, and this kind of gets rolled out a bit more publicly by the ECNL, I think that more opportunities will come up to, maybe come back on the podcast and give you an update. Um, mm -hmm. And I'll try to share some things via LinkedIn uh, and, and kind of go from there. But any support would be great. I think the more, the more information we can get out that this exists, the better. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's a great project. So we're, we'll support it however we can, you know, we're not Joe Rogan or anything, but uh, <laughs> Yeah, some people listen here and there so um but yeah i think it's awesome and uh you know great job taking it on that's uh quite the project you got going there thanks thanks yeah i'm looking forward to see seeing what happens uh you know 24 36 months from now yep cool yeah i mean never hesitate to reach out definitely uh get your word out there as best we can so yeah we'll do yeah cheese got anything else no, that's it. I'm just uh, wondering when the next time you and I could wave in passing while uh, you're sprinting to some other field, you know? So uh, uh, Let's see. Are you going to be up in Arlington? I will. Friday? Next weekend? Yeah. Yeah, I'll be there. Uh, not Is it next weekend already? Yeah, crap. Well, the yeah. boys... Wait. Yeah, the boys is next weekend, right? And the girls are the following. Something like that. Yeah. Are you going down to Florida? Yeah, I'm going down to Disney this Disney, weekend. Gotcha. Yeah, yep. we'll have uh, some coaches at the ECNL event for the boys. Okay, yeah, uh, Lakewood Ranch. Yeah, I'll wave to you eventually. Yeah, we'll we'll say hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, Pat, did I miss anything? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Right. Yeah. It was great seeing you. We'll, uh, yeah. Uh, Thanks, I'll guys. Be I'll be I'll be listening to the other other episodes as well. I saw Jay Demerit. Uh, just came out, so I'll, I'll have to take a listen there. Yeah, That's I got a big one coming out on Thursday. Okay, right on. So I won't, I won't tell you who it is, but uh... <laughs> I'll get the email. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. I appreciate you listening. It's awesome. Really course, do appreciate course. it. So. Thank you for listening to the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. If you're enjoying the podcast and find it valuable, please consider visiting buymeacoffee.com matchplay. These small donations collectively help offset costs and other expenses associated with production of the podcast so I can continue to offer this service for free. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on matchplayrecruit.com for our social media links. See you on the trail.